Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of Selling Greenville, a real estate podcast all about Greenville, South Carolina, the greater Greenville area. I'm your host, Stan McCune, realtor right here in lovely Greenville, South Carolina, uh, trying to endure the pollen season that we have every year at this time. I sneeze as soon as I open the front door um, or the back door or any door uh, and I end up going outside. Um, I am ready for some rain to wash the pollen away, but nonetheless, the weather outside has been phenomenal, notwithstanding uh, the yellow stuff all over our cars and plants and everything else. Um, but yes, that is Greenville, and this is one of the things that we have to deal with. We take the good with the bad. Um, but here we are, and here I am recording this podcast here. Uh, we're getting towards the end of April. We're almost in May. And uh, just a reminder, as always, if you're not subscribed to the show, please go ahead and subscribe uh, leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate that. I appreciate that. It really helps me with the show. Um, and as well, if you need to reach me for anything, for any of your real estate needs, uh, for any questions you might have or anything you just want to discuss, if you want to go out and get a drink, whatever the case may be, please uh, notate that my contact information is in the show notes. You can reach out to me any way you want, text, phone, email, etc., etc. It's all there. For you guys, I hope to hear from you. Um, today, we're going to be talking about this. Is uh, of, of course everything I discuss is uh, filtered through the lens of Greenville and the Greenville market. But this is going to be more of a big picture type of podcast, not uh, not some of the things that we've done recently where we're talking more specifically about the Greenville market. This is going to be a more uh, general podcast talking about. Uh, mindsets towards real estate in general. And uh, the the main idea is the idea of focusing on processes versus focusing on outcomes. Now, I want to preface this on where I came up with this idea. This isn't, isn't an idea that, uh, that I suddenly, you know, had a revelation for. I didn't even read about it, um, although I'm sure there are books that discuss this before. I was actually in a uh, web, a part of a webinar last week with uh, Alabama football coach Nick Saban, and he was discussing this as uh, it's something that just came up multiple times in the interview. And, and the interview, by the way, was not a football interview; it was a business interview. Um, and they were interviewing him just to get his insights as a successful business person in the football world. Obviously, uh, college football coach. Um, particularly when you've been as successful as Nick Saban has, there's a lot that those guys have to do. Um, you know, all the recruiting and uh, teaching and coaching and, and drawing up plays and constantly evolving uh, their mindset and all sorts of different things that go into that. And the thing that kept coming up was that Nick Saban said that he always teaches his players and his coaches and everyone else that they focus on outcomes. They don't, or, sorry, <laughs> getting it backwards. They focus on processes. They don't focus on outcomes. And what he meant by that was when they play a game or when they have a practice or whatever it is that they end up doing, if a player makes a catch and, and makes what's quote unquote a great play, 
but he does it the wrong way. Maybe a receiver runs a route poorly, but ends up scoring a touchdown on that route. They aren't celebrating the uh, the touchdown in terms of how the coaches approach it. The coaches are looking at it and saying, you lucked into this. You did it the wrong way. We need to improve this. This is not going to cut it. When they uh, win a game, if they win a game but they don't play well, they don't focus on the fact that they won or the fact that they lost. They focus on how they did. If they lose a game, if they lose a game and but they played really, really well, obviously they're going to focus that on that. But they're always looking at the processes, looking at what happened. And he said that when they go into a game, they aren't talking about winning or losing. They're not setting goals for trying to, to get a certain number of points or a, or a certain number of wins or to even make it to the college football championship or to win the championship or anything like that. They have a gazillion processes that they're working on. Each player has processes that they're working on. Each coach has processes that they're working on. And they're trying to refine those processes to get them perfect. And the thinking is if if all of the processes are perfect, then you can basically guarantee that the outcome will be the outcome that you want. And ultimately in football, the main outcome that you want is to win. But all of these players, they're also, a lot of them that go to Alabama are as well trying to make it potentially into the NFL or, or trying to get coaching gigs or whatever the case may be. So there's a career um, aspect to this as well that they have personal outcomes that they want to happen for, for them. And some of the coaches as well, they might have career outcomes that they're looking for as well that they might uh, want to you know try to work their way up the ranks or potentially get a gig in the NFL. There's all sorts of things uh, that are going on there. But they don't focus on the outcome. I mean, like I said, he went to the point of saying, we don't even talk about winning a game. We talk about executing on the field all of these different things that we're trying to do. And that really got me thinking. I thought that was really profound. Um, that really got me thinking, does this have a real estate context? How can I apply this to me as a realtor, uh, which I'm not going to focus so much about in, in this podcast, but it, it has very profound implications for me as a realtor, um, specifically uh, in in real estate. And, I, and I'll, uh, I'll just kind of mention this and then we'll back away. Like I said, I, I don't want to focus on this, but um, here's what you always hear. Right when when I get uh, you know brokers that are calling me or people that want to meet with me and want want to talk about um, want to talk about real estate, try to recruit me for their team, whatever the case may be, it's always how many closings a year have you had? How how many? What is the amount per closing uh, that you're uh, making on your commission? How uh, what what is your GCI? That's the term that you you always hear. What is um, you know, how much, uh, how are you able to, to raise your um, transactions from, say, $200,000 per transaction? Well, you need to raise that up to $300,000 on average per transaction, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these, it's, it's a lot of throwing around numbers, trying to set all these goals, trying to do all these things. And it's almost all outcomes oriented, almost all outcomes oriented. 
Um, and very little of the time are they focused on processes. A lot of these, at least locally, a lot of these real estate people um, that are successful, they, they, I'll grant them that they're successful, but they're so focused on outcomes. And for me, I do try to be more process focused and I do try to think more about improving myself as a realtor, trying to do um, all these different things in, in my day-to-day life uh, in terms of how I run my business, trying to improve my business each and every day so that uh, eventually that results into uh, some outcomes that I would like. Um, and ultimately, you know, I have to make money in this job. And so um, there are different things that I believe that if I keep working on processes that I'll, I'll get to those outcomes. But you guys don't want to hear all that um, unless you're looking to become a realtor, which I recommend not doing. Um, not at this time, at least. This is uh, the hardest time, really, outside of perhaps the uh, you know Great Recession um, back in uh, 2008, 2009. This is about as hard of a time to, to make a living as a realtor as there has ever been. Um, outside of some of those major economic recessions and depressions and whatnot, um, but what you guys want to want to hear is how does this apply to me personally? And I and I think that there is a for those of you uh, doing real estate investing or interested in real estate investing, there are some very profound implications for a process oriented approach versus an outcome oriented approach. And I've already alluded to this, but I think first off, you hear a lot of real estate investors. They talk a lot about money goals, and they talk a lot about, um, I want to make this much money uh, in real estate. I want to have this much passive income from my rental properties coming in. I want to close uh, this many deals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I think for starters, I think particularly when it comes to money, that's an outcome. And there are a lot of things that you can't control in that. And there are going to be some years that are going to be great years and some years that aren't going to be as good um, just because of uh, just the randomness and the fluctuations in the market that come and go. And so I think that one of the implications of, uh, of this approach is that we shouldn't focus on money goals in real estate investing. Don't focus on money goals. Focus rather on understanding things better. For instance, understanding real estate expenses better. Come up with uh, spreadsheets and things like that to have a very uh, detailed model. But my best investor clients, they have uh, things like this, a, a spreadsheet where they can just plug in numbers for a rental property, for instance. They can plug in a purchase price, plug in uh, you know, the estimated rents, different types of, of expenses and all of that. And they can go ahead and just calculate immediately and know without really doing a whole lot more research to know if something is an interesting deal to them or not. And I have my own models like this that I use and that I can share with people. Um, but everyone is a little bit different. You know, there, you have to account for risk tolerance. You have to um, account for uh, you know, appreciation that we talk frequently about oftentimes properties that are um, stable, appreciating assets that don't require a ton of uh, 
you know, capital that you have to keep pumping into it, oftentimes those don't bring in the, the most cash on cash return, but they might be the best long-term investment. So, so you have to, to consider all of these different things. And the, the more you educate yourself on that, that's a process. You can educate yourself on that and better understand that and uh, try to, to become a more knowledgeable investor. That is a better way to spend your, mo- to spend your time and to spend your efforts and to, to come up with an arbitrary money goal. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Well, how are you going to do it? Just like a football team, we're going to win a game. Um, and we're going to work hard to win it. Well, okay, that's that's great. That's very inspiring. Um, but what are the processes that you're improving in order to win the game? If you're going to invest in real estate, you have to think through those processes. Think through all the different pressure points. What are all the different things that need to, to come together in order for you to make money in real estate? Um, another great thing to educate yourself on is uh, just the market, market rents, for instance. Educate yourself on what are some areas that rent uh, well, that don't rent as well. What are some areas that disproportionately rent well? For instance, they might have cheap housing, uh, but the rent it still rents very well in that area. Um, where are the lines in terms of, okay, it makes uh, sense to get a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom or a four-bedroom house uh, what are the differences in terms of, of price points for purchasing those homes and also price points for renting them? And then how does that influence your decision-making in terms of what to invest in, whether you choose to focus on two-bedroom properties or three-bedroom properties or four-bedroom properties, whatever the case may be? Is there a market uh, that has pent-up demand for one of those things? You know, there might be a glut of two-bedroom properties on the market uh, for rent that uh, that will end up with higher vacancy rates, whereas there's hardly any four-bedroom properties. I'm just throwing that out there hypothetically. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just talking in terms of hypotheticals. These are the types of things that uh, uh, you can educate yourself on, and a big part of being process-oriented in real estate is to always educate consistently educate yourself. And so rather than being like, okay, by the end of this year, I want to have made X amount of money uh, from real estate investing or, or whatever the case may be. Instead, say every week, I want to have educated myself more on this one thing. Or maybe every week, I want to network with one real estate person and try to learn one thing from that person. That is a process that will in the end, it will result in you having a, a good real estate outcome in in some way. Ultimately, I would say as well, don't um, you don't want to focus on the number of flips or the number of rentals that you have. Again, that's an outcome. You say, well, in five years, I intend to have twenty doors. Um, well, that's great. That's very ambitious, um, but. Again, how are you going to do that? Like, you can't just speak that into existence. You have to actually uh, come up with a way to to do that. Um, and so, again, what why how why don't you focus on educating yourself on, for instance, construction? Learn more about construction. You know what? In real estate, you can never 
be too educated on construction. Buy a book. Watch YouTube videos. Say, you know what? Every day I'm going to watch 15 minutes of YouTube content on construction. I'm going to start with plumbing, try to understand plumbing as well as I can. Then I'm going to go to electrical, try to understand electrical as much as I can. Um, listen, you that will pay dividends for you. You will have so much knowledge that you'll gain from that. And again, it won't replace actually like doing some of the work. And, and by the way, don't think that you know everything just because you've watched a few YouTube videos. I, I can always tell when I have my, um, you know, my armchair electricians or whatever, and they're like, you know, well, that GFCI doesn't look, you know, like it was hardwired correctly and might not be grounded because I don't exactly see the way this blah, 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 blah. And you can always tell when when uh, someone starts throwing around words, but it's like they don't exactly uh, know what they're talking about. I just actually I just met together. Uh, I just met with a guy recently that was looking at selling a property, and I was interested potentially in buying it or or previewing it for some clients that might be interested. And I could tell right away that he was uh, he was way in over his head in terms of this property. It was a property he intended to flip himself. Um, and then, you know, he had a reason why he said that he wasn't able to do that. I think he wasn't able to do it because probably he had a partner that uh, he was depending on to actually do the work and that partner couldn't do it. Or uh, perhaps he realized that uh, he just didn't know what he was talking about because he was like saying all these different things uh, about, you know, throwing around these construction words. And I was like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Of course, I didn't say that to him. But like, I would ask him questions, be like, well, what do you think about? Um, what do you think about this? What do you think about the fact that, you know, that this part of the house is kind of sagging? And, um, you know, he didn't really have answers to a lot of these questions and just kind of seemed kind of perplexed by it all. Um, but he would he would throw around the jargon and throw around some words. Listen, don't don't be that guy. All right, educate yourself, but also realize that that it's still armchair knowledge. But that armchair knowledge can help you. It can help to uh, prepare you for uh, for flipping houses. It can help to educate you. If you have an electrician that comes in and starts trying to rip you off, it can you might not come back at him or her and say. No, you're ripping me off. You might say, well, here's what I think. Here's what I understand how this works. What are you telling me? And, and how is this different than uh, than what I've heard? Um, again, educating yourself on, uh, on the market. So construction is a great thing to educate yourself on. Um, another process, educating yourself on, on the market. We've talked about that. Networking, we've talked about that. I think it's a great idea to try to Make a process, make it a process to just network with uh, as many people as possible to to try to improve your network, who you know, and and to make that a wide range of uh, of people. And you know what? You might have to buy them. Uh, you might have to have a budget for buying coffee for people, and that's totally fine. It's a realtor. I'm used to having to do this. Um, so if it's the first time you've ever heard of this idea. Um, you know, the, just know that there's a lot of us that have had to do that for a while. Um, obviously, building your credit. That's that's a great one. 
or, or saving money. These are great processes. These are the types of things. Figure out a plan for, okay, I am going to save this much money every week or this much money every month. I'm going to do these steps to build my credit. I'm going to start paying off this maxed out credit card. I'm going to start paying down the student loan. Whatever the case may be, um, different processes like that. If you focus on those things, and as you're accumulating all of these different processes, as they all come together, just like a football player that's working on his route running, that's working on his speed training, that's working on weightlifting, that's working on catching the ball, that's working on building chemistry with the quarterback, doing all these different things, uh, working on, on you know chip blocking on the outside, whatever the case may be, as they're doing all these different things, all of those things come together on game day, and it's like, oh, wow, this guy can play. He can play because he has worked on all these different processes and now guess what the outcome is going to is going to it's all going to come together. And so if you have all of these different processes that you put together um and and you're working on this eventually it will all start to click it will all start to make sense you'll figure out what you need to do in order to take that next step in real estate and then that next step will turn into another next step as you continue to refine those processes and those steps will start to accrue to the point where, hey, guess what? Now you do have an outcome. Now maybe you have a little portfolio of properties, of rental properties, and maybe they're bringing in passive income, or maybe they're doing this, or maybe they're they're doing that. Maybe you you've figured out a way to to flip houses that you know is a little bit unconventional. Who knows? There are all sorts of things, but this is how um, I have really cut my teeth in this industry. Is that um, I had to learn early on that there were some things that I wasn't good at uh, in terms of uh, flipping houses and different real estate stuff. And this predates when I became a realtor um, because I was doing that stuff well before I became a realtor. And so I had to 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 take a step back, be like, okay, I, I start the way I started was that I had money and I had a little bit of real estate knowledge, and I wanted to find a way to make the money work with my real estate knowledge. And I had a few successes and I took my lumps and then I realized, okay, I need to take a step back and to focus on some of these processes. And so I actually did that. And so I actually, um, without realizing it, applied some of Sabin's logic uh, early on in my real estate days. Now that I understand what that logic was, I think now I can do that even more and do that even better. Uh, but in real estate investing, I think it's a very valuable way to think about it. Now, if you're not a real estate investor, if you're an owner-occupant, it's a little bit different, right? Because at the end of the day, um, if you're looking for a home to buy, you do have to be focused on outcomes. You can't just be like, well, I'm just going to focus on all these processes, and then all of a sudden, I'm going to find the house that's perfect for me. It, it's doesn't quite work that way when you're when you're buying a house for yourself. Um, but I do think that there are some uh, shades of this logic that can be helpful. So for instance, I would say, um, don't focus so much on if you're looking for a home to move into, don't focus so much on arbitrary metrics. 
an arbitrary metric would be, I need to be in this area for this price. Um, I, I get that a lot. Or I, I need to, we need a house that is 1,800 square feet um, in this section of Greenville, and it needs to be less than $200,000. And and I'm just like, uh, which Greenville are you planning to move to? Is this Greenville, you know, Arkansas, Greenville, North Dakota? I don't even know if there are Greenvilles in those areas, but like, you know, a lot of people will, will throw these arbitrary goals out there that um, that simply aren't realistic. Um, and so part of it, again, I, I've focused a lot on education, but I encourage my clients, they need to educate themselves on the market. So, so the simplest way to do that is just to start looking at what's on the market. And a lot of my clients, they've already started doing that by the time they reach out to me. But I also help them with that. That's something I get them set up on an MLS search. Um, and they can start seeing what's on the market, what's actually in their price range. By the way, don't look at what's on the market right now. You have to track it every single day. Because when things are selling as quickly as they are right now, what's on the market right now um, is really not indicative of, of much of anything outside of the fact that there's just not a lot of inventory. You've got to track it every single day to educate yourself. Um you need to to be uh, looking at, you might need to look at what was on the market. I've had to do this before, by the way, for some of my clients. Um, I've had instances where I've had clients that are like, we're looking for this type of house, but we're really picky. We don't know if this type of house exists at our price point. And it's, and sometimes I'm able to just be like, yeah, it doesn't. Um, you're going to either have to, to, um, change your criteria a little bit or go up on the price or whatever the case may be. But sometimes, oftentimes, um, if my clients are reasonable and, and they're somewhat educated on the market, um, oftentimes it's kind of like, well, maybe. It, it depends on on some of your subjective criteria whether we can find that house or not. And so I've had some instances where it's like I, I basically do the search for them. Okay, we set up the whole search. Here's what you want. Here's what you're looking for. Um, now there's not a whole lot available right now, but why don't we go back six months? Let's look at what's come on the market the past three months or the past six months that fit your criteria, but that has sold. And let's look at that and see, okay, are you seeing any homes here that look interesting to you? If you do, that's good. That, that means that probably in the next three to six months, we will find homes that will fit what you're looking for. If you don't, that's a really bad sign. So that's another way, a little outside-the-box way that you can also kind of uh, reverse engineer education on the market is by looking at what has sold in the past. Now, you don't want to go too far back because, you know, I wouldn't go go much farther than six months back because the data is going to be skewed at that point. Um, but that's one, that's one way that you can educate yourself on the market. Another one um, with regard to this focusing on... Uh, educating yourself and, and different processes versus just arbitrary metrics is thinking through the actual financial impact uh, of your move. So this is particularly true when uh, a lot of people just have kind of like a number in their mind. Oh, I got, I can't pay more than $250,000 for a house, but they don't even necessarily know like what that translates to in terms of a per month mortgage payment. And they might also not know, like, how, how do property taxes factor into that? How does homeowner's insurance factor into that? Um, if they are 
at a crossroads where they're trying to decide whether they want to rent or whether they want to buy, they probably haven't extrapolated, okay, here's how much money I will have spent on rent versus how much money I will have spent on a mortgage and what that means in terms of my net worth 15 or 20 years from now after having done this. Um, and the fact that rent payments are going to keep going up, whereas a mortgage payment uh, stays flat and actually could go down if you pay pay it down to 20% and then get rid of your PMI. Um, that's a great way of really uh, of starting the process of looking at a home is making sure you really understand all of that and trying to educate yourself as much as possible on all of that, trying to stay up to date on uh, where uh, mortgage rates are going, what they are right now, what they have been, what that means for the future, all sorts of, of different things. Um, extrapolating and looking at what might happen if you wait a few years. What, where is the market going? Sorry if you hear that plane going overhead. Um, as I've said before, I'm right by the airport, so we get some loud noises around here. But you know, maybe you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to buy right now. Maybe I want to sit this one out and just wait and see if the market calms down. And it's like, okay, the market might calm down a little bit, but historically, what would that even mean? Would that even mean that uh, that you would be able to find what you're looking for in two years? How much higher will prices have gone during that time? How much higher will mortgage rates have gone during that time based on what we've seen historically? So there's all sorts of, of different things here that you can educate yourself on to focus on rather than creating just an arbitrary goal or throwing out there an arbitrary number. You can put all these processes into place and then uh, and 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 start focusing on these things and and bettering yourself and and being a more educated buyer or seller, so that when the time comes, you have all this data in your head. You know exactly what you need to do. Um, I would say as well, don't focus on how challenging the market is and saying we need to be moved by X date. You know, I hear that a lot as well. And obviously, there are some some deadlines. We can't just throw deadlines out the window and just pretend uh, like there are, you know, no deadlines. Um, but there are things that you can do rather than stressing yourself out um, about, I got to be out of here by, by this date. Do things to improve yourself. Make yourself a more attractive buyer. If, if you... There are way there are processes that you can do to then ensure that you're able to uh, to meet the deadline that you want as your outcome. So saving more money for a down payment, for instance, that makes you a more attractive buyer. Taking steps, like I said, to improve your credit. Shameless plug: finding a realtor that understands how to write an attractive offer. These are things that um, pay dividends for you. Uh, down the road to to ensure that you actually are able to meet those goals. There, it's not like these goals are just out there and it's like we just got to somehow meet them. No, there are things that you can do in order to set yourself up for success in meeting those goals. Um, and you need to focus on setting yourself up for success more than you need to focus on the goal. Um, I would say as well, you, you don't want to focus on how your local market is changing as you prepare to sell. Again, 
not necessarily an outcome, but it's kind of an offshoot of this same logic. Don't focus on how the local market is changing as you prepare to sell. A lot of people are like, well, if I wait a year, how much more will my home have appreciated or is it possible to depreciate or, you know, will it become a buyer's market? Will it become more of a seller's market? Blah, 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 blah. No, don't listen. As you're getting ready to move, as you're getting ready to sell your home, there are so many things that you can be doing that are going to help your home to sell regardless of what's happening in the market. Focus on those processes. Decluttering. Everyone, everyone that is selling their home needs to declutter. I don't care who you are. I don't care how minimalistic you are. You have clutter and you need to declutter. Okay, that will save you a lot of stress down the road. Um, Maybe have someone look at your house, whether it's a realtor, um, maybe a friend that's good with construction or whatever the case may be, and just nitpick different things, different things that you've just gotten used to. You know, we all get used to that weird, you know, we got that faucet that just drips all the time and it doesn't, uh, you know, it takes a while for the hot water to get to it and uh, it's a slow draining sink and all these different things and, and you just get used to it. But those are things that when you sell a house, they, they can be very stressful things. They can be things that, that are a turnoff to buyers. They can be things that derail a transaction. Um, and so walk through your house with an open mind, maybe with someone else, and, and start to work on those things. Start, start improving those things. You don't need to dump a ton of money into the house. A lot of these things are very, very cheap, I find. And people have just gotten used to being without them. Um, you don't want to be that person, right? You just go ahead and start knocking those things out. And you know what? If the market swings and it becomes more of a buyer's market, if your house, if you have done all these things to your house uh, and improved it, uh, it's, it's going to make your house stand out compared to the others and you're going to set yourself up more for success. I always tell people, look at your house and think about what are the negatives here? We want to flip negatives into at least neutrals. But if you can flip a negative into a positive, that is awesome. So if you can take that leaky faucet, that old leaky faucet that's gross, okay, you can clean it up and make it stop leaking. That turned your negative into a neutral. But if you do the cheap repair of just replacing the faucet and putting a nice you know, a higher end faucet, that's not an expensive thing to do. You just flipped a negative into a positive. That that has just added way more value to your house than that faucet uh, cost you. And uh, so you want to turn negatives into neutrals. You want to turn uh, and into positives when possible and turn neutrals into positives. These are things that if you're focusing on all of these things, rather than, you know, stressing out about, uh, about what's going to happen with the market or, or what's my neighborhood doing? You know, that person down there, they, I think they're going to foreclose and they've got a crappy roof on, on, on their house that looks like it's about to cave in. And how's that impacting my home value? Listen, block, block that out and focus on what you can be improving on your property. And most of the time, everything uh, will turn out all right. And that's it. That is... 
kind of where I've been thinking with all this. Again, a more of a big picture type of thing, but hopefully it gets your wheels turning. How can you, how can I be more process-oriented than outcome-oriented? If you are process-oriented, the outcomes will come. You will get those positive outcomes at some point, um, but there are so many things that you can do along the way. I hope that was helpful for you guys. Let me know if you have any thoughts or any questions. Uh, I am here if you need me. Please reach out. All of my contact information is in the show notes. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week.